Welcome to this podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Pasoord. Uh, today I'm talking to Dr. Chris Canthor, who is a psychiatrist in Australia, based at the University of Queensland. And Chris has a special interest in trauma, and in particular the trauma of prolonged confinement or enslavement. And this is kind of in the news at the moment with some breaking news about three women who've been found by the police who seem to have been kept in these circumstances for several decades. Uh, Chris, tell us a bit about this term traumatic entrapment and what it means. Traumatic entrapment is used to refer to persons being confined over long periods under highly uh, traumatic uh, circumstances. So in the same way that uh, post-traumatic stress disorder refers to extreme stresses, traumatic entrapment uh, refers to um, extremely stressful confinement situations. And why is the kind of trauma experience people have uh, following this kind of traumatic event different compared to other traumatic experiences? Well, the uh, it, it tends to be very different because um, the, the, you have the paradoxical situation where um, people in traumatic entrapment situations often have stayed with uh, a, a dominant oppressor um, for long periods of time, where um, whereas um, a superficial assessment is, why on earth didn't they leave? And I, I guess that's the, the, uh, the puzzling question that everybody's answer, asking at the moment. And the, the answer tends to be very complex. And you've invoked in your writings on this, you've written several fascinating papers on this, this notion of an appeasement reaction. What is this appeasement reaction? Um, appeasement uh, refers to, appeasement really means submissive pacification. And when people are in the situations of traumatic entrapment, uh, the more sort of common um, defence mechanisms are not really options. So, you know, one option is is to flee. But if they're really in, uh, entrapped, um, they 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 probably made uh, in the early days uh, efforts to flee, and that that hasn't proved uh, uh, successful. Another uh, option would be to mount an aggressive defence, but if the uh, dominant oppressor is overwhelmingly dominant, uh, then that uh, does not prove uh, viable. So the sorts of people that end up in these uh, traumatic entrapment situations cannot flee, they cannot fight back uh, with any uh, likelihood of surviving it, and so that leaves them with appeasement as the only remaining relevant uh, uh, defence to use. And when I say defence, I'm not talking about some intellectual defence strategy. I'm talking about um, one of the six core mammalian defences that uh, are available. Um, un unfortunately, when we talk about sort of uh, physiological defence mechanisms, uh, we tend to think of fight and flight, and that's like a sort of a kindergarten um, standard understanding of uh, the uh, the full repertoire of uh, mammalian defences. Um, and in this situation, um, uh, appeasement is the, the one that is by far the most relevant one. 
So your argument is that in fact responses to trauma are more complex than psychiatrists have traditionally recognized and include very strange reactions like appeasement. And this is important in terms of treatment. It is, it is. Um, that's right, because um, uh, there is a danger that the psychiatrist could inadvertently reinforce some of the guilt and the confusion that, the, um, that their patients uh, may experience. Um, it is very important uh, that the psychiatrist is in a position to explain that in the situation that the patient found themselves, that, that, that um, uh, flight um, or other form, uh, approaches to escape was not viable uh, and fighting back was not viable and that over the course of time, um, nature's instincts will um, result in an appeasement reaction. Uh, there's a tendency to think of, a, uh, when, when you think of appeasement, one tends to think of Neville Chamberlain and his sort of rather wimpish approach to Adolf Hitler. Um, but, we're to, uh, but I'm talking at a much more primitive brain level. And throughout the animal kingdom, uh, you see appeasement reactions. Uh, for instance, um, various primates, uh, when um, males um, are uh, defeated in their challenges to, uh, to the alpha male, um, if leaving the, the group is not viable because of predators, the uh, defeated male may come back to the alpha male that's just given him a flogging and try and appease him by making sex sexual gestures uh, and or behaving like an infant primate and uh, th that submissive behavior may lead the alpha male to accept him back into the group um, and uh, that may be vital for the uh, primate's survival. Now very much the same sort of thing happens in, in human beings. For instance we know that some victims of stalking paradoxically uh, may uh, make uh, sexual overtures to their stalkers, um, which doesn't make any sort of sense until you understand the concept of appeasement. The other thing that you've referred to is the notion of tonic immobility, which seems to occur when someone is being raped and helps explain why they didn't fight back, and it's kind of crucial in helping a rape victim come to terms with the experience. That's right. Tonic immobility um, is the last-ditch um, defense mechanism. It's the defense mechanism that you might uh, find yourself uh, employing, not just with rape situations, but if, you're, uh, if you've got a grizzly bear staring down um, uh, with your face uh, only a sort of couple of meters away from its face. Um, so it involves a, a state of being totally frozen and unable to move, but being fully conscious and aware of what's going on. Um, and psychiatrists need to be able to understand that when treating rape victims, because rape victims often um, uh, feel so guilty about what was wrong with me. I, I just lay there. I wanted to fight back, but I didn't. And, you know, why didn't I do something? I just allowed him to do it. And so they may, may think that their behavior is, uh, is disgusting when the reality is that uh, it may have been a very primitive uh, involuntary defense mechanism uh, which uh, serves a, a primitive survival mechanism.
As part of our deeper understanding of trauma, there is, there's this relatively new notion of complex PTSD. Could you say a little bit about what complex PTSD is and how it differs from uh, the more ordinary, dare I say it all straightforward, though none of this is straightforward, post-traumatic stress disorder? Well, uh, complex PTSD is, is a sort of more diffuse um, uh, uh, form of post-traumatic stress disorder. There are sort of many uh, post-traumatic symptoms uh, present, but you, you uh, experience, with complex PTSD, you, you see um, uh, characterological uh, um, changes and more um, uh, self-destructive behaviour both active self-destruction by the, by the way of um, deliberate self-harm and, and suicide attempts and um, more curious self-destruction uh, by way of the um, sufferers exposing themselves to risks of harm at the, uh, uh, at the hands of others. So you get the paradoxical situation uh, which I've described of, of the stalker, stalking victim um, somehow offering herself sexually to uh, the, the oppressive stalker. Um, and some psychiatrists over the years have referred to repetition compulsion. Now, the, the, the term repetition compulsion is a useful one for recognizing uh, a pattern, but it doesn't actually explain anything. Um, whereas uh, the uh, appeasement concept uh, very much explains um, the, uh, the uh, what, what's going on. I'm wondering how you managed to um, develop such a deep interest in trauma. I, I'm wondering if there was a personal experience or a particular patient you saw that took you on this journey into this deeper understanding of, of trauma and you're quite critical of the conventional psychiatric understanding of trauma. Yes, I am. Um, the uh, I, I've always been somewhat interested uh, in trauma, um, but for the first half of my career, uh, suicide was my ma uh, main research topic. But I had a, a mid-career change, um, which exposed me to uh, lots of people with uh, the full gamut of, uh, of psychological trauma and uh, all of this uh, sudden PTSD that had been a mi minor part of my practice became the majority of, uh, of my practice. And um, I've had a long-standing um, interest in evolution and nature. I'm a, I'm a frustrated uh, David Attenborough. I'll gladly trade jobs with him. Um, and uh, to my way of thinking, coming at it from understanding the animal world and evolution, it was, it was pretty obvious uh, that um, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder would uh, um, have an evolutionary basis, uh, but when I consulted the literature, I found that very little had been written. Uh, there was a helpful paper by Derek Silog on it, and but the, uh, and Marx had written um, about the anxiety disorders uh, and evolution, but he hadn't actually covered uh, PTSD specifically. So that that's how I got into it. So I think that it's important to mention that the key paper, that, in my opinion, that you've written recently that's most accessible to the public, was published in the Australian and New Zealand Journal of Psychiatry entitled Traumatic Entrapment, Appeasement and Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, Evolutionary Perspectives of Hostage Reactions, Domestic Abuse and <coughs> Stockholm Syndrome. And uh, it was published with a British psychiatrist, John Price. If there was one piece of Im important take-home 
information for anyone listening to this who's been through a traumatic experience or a kind of enslavement experience or a relative um, who, who's trying to comfort or help someone who's been through that, what would that take-home piece of advice uh, be? Yeah, um, to understand that the um, bodies or the brain's um, defense mechanisms are very complex and they're very entrenched and they occur at a very primitive level. Now, um, the, uh, the level that it occurs is, is similar to the sort of level that um, uh, occurs with phobias. And in the same way, uh, someone with a phobia can't uh, get over it simply by telling themselves not to be so silly. Um, with this um, uh, traumatic attrapment appeasement reaction, um, it's occurring at a similarly primitive level. Um, and it is possible to get over it, but you need expert advice and you, you need somebody that's uh, suitably experienced with dealing not only with trauma, but with complex trauma. Dr. Chris Cantor, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.